how many of you guys know that that's true? Huh? That's, man, I'm telling you, if you just only understand, if you can only see or understand what's going up in here, you'd be very afraid. You'd be very afraid right now. And so we're so glad that you're here. Has this been a good series for you guys? Man versus woman, just learning how each other thinks, how each other copes and all those things. Well, we're glad you're here at Faith Promise Church at whatever campus you're attending. We're glad that you're here. And Pastor had asked me a while back if I would do the woman weekend. And I said, well, okay, what would you like me to speak on? And he said, well, you know, all that stuff you deal with, you guys deal with like emotions. I said, oh, I could feel the roar, you know, just, uh, you know, coming up at me. I said, but, you know, then I remembered that's what dirt would think, you know, all the emotional stuff. And uh, just, just, so I, just so you guys know, I didn't call you guys dirt. Pastor called you dirt, okay, last week. And if you didn't get that message, it was a great message and um, just showing the difference in men and women and the simple the simplistic part and then the complex part. And as a woman, I can definitely relate to that. And I hope you did too. So if you didn't get that, make sure that you go by and get that. So where do unrealistic expectations come from? The complexity versus dirt. I came up with a little phrase, unrealistic expectations cause unnecessary complications. And that is so true, isn't it? Unrealistic expectations, unreal expectations on the simple part, unreal expectations on the complex part. So women, um, we're going to look at a, a definition in Webster's um, defined on what the word complex means. Complex means composed of many interconnected parts, characterized by a very complicated or involved arrangement of parts or complicated or intricate as to be hard to understand or deal with. Now, men, this is not the time to laugh out loud or elbow, okay? Women, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Turn to somebody beside you and say this. Say, just because I'm complex doesn't mean I'm complicated. Go ahead, tell them. Because I know what you guys are thinking. I know, I know, because I live with dirt. Um, I mean, I live with simple, okay? So I, I get it. I get it. You know, I have uh, actually I have a lot of dirt, have had a lot of dirt under my roof uh, for many years. And so I've, I've learned to deal with the simple things in life. And so let's just look at a couple of areas of complexity in the women, okay? And I know, guys, you sometimes you think, I can't get a break. You know, pastor beats me up. Now the pastor's wife is beating me up. You know, I don't, I don't get it. But women, we're going to look at some, some of the things that women have to deal with. Men, I hope this helps you. hope it helps you understand, because it, it's crazy up here, okay? And so I'm, I'm just going to help you understand just a little bit. So the first thing, because pastor said, you know, those emotions and stuff. So the first part of complexity we're going to deal with is emotions, okay? It is what it is, okay? But there are some good things about emotions. Good things is when we pick our babies up and we love on them, or we love on our husbands. Husbands, you like us to be emotional when we love on you, don't you? Come on. Do you want me to explain it to you? <laughs> Come on now. I know you like the emotions, you know, when we're loving on you too. And uh, emotions are great when we're empathizing or sympathizing with a friend. Let me give you an example. Um, I have a crafter small group uh, ladies that we meet on Friday mornings. And, and our last time that we met, um, 
one lady began to share a prayer request, and she began to cry, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm crying, and the next lady shared her request, and she started crying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm crying. The whole room was crying. It took us 45 minutes to get through prayer requests, and they kept, I said, it's okay, we're women, we understand it, and had a man been in that room, they'd have been ready to stab their eye out with a blunt object, you know. <laughs> what is going, I hate it, come on, just get to it, let's get to praying, and let's get on with the rest of the, the, rest of the stuff. So I get it, I, I get the complexity and the emotion Here's where the emotions can go awry and, and get bad for us, ladies, is when we're reactive, those emotions explode when, when the roar comes out and we want, ah, you know, and we react instead of thinking through it and responding. Guys, we're not logical. We don't, we can't think simply and just respond. We have to react and it just, and that's bad. I get it. Another way it, when emotions are bad is when we put ourselves in a no-win situation. And men, if, if you've been around women at any point in your life, you know women put themselves in a no-win situation. It's like nothing's ever right. You know, when they get in that, and they get in that emotional roller coaster, nothing's, there's no logic. There's no right thing. And, and what happens is it bounces around in our head. It gets trapped up in there, and we're, we're thinking through all these things, you know. And so, you know, that's, that's a bad thing. And I was thinking, you know, I'm a big technology person, and I like all the latest and greatest. You know, I have the iPad mini. I've got the iPhone 6 Plus on order. It's not here yet. I'm about to die. But um, uh, I love all that stuff and all the upgrades. And then, um, and I'm not pimping Apple products, but in the Apple product, iOS 8, um, there's a new thing in the group text, um, in the group text section. It's called Leave the Conversation best thing ever. And so same thing in Facebook, when people include you on that mass thing and you don't want to leave the conversation and you're out, you don't have to see everybody's response and everybody's thoughts and everything, you know, I'm done with that. Leave the conversation. Ladies, when that's happening in your head, that no-win situation, leave the conversation. Take every thought captive. And this just doesn't have to just apply to, to ladies, men too. When you're having those things go on, take that thought captive, leave the conversation. And so many of you are thinking, I didn't know it did that. I'm going to have to look that up. You can look that up later. But anyway, it's a great, it's a great tool to have, you know, in, in your uh, conversation world, but especially in your spiritual world. Okay, there's another, another part of being complex. And men, as, as being emotional beings, what would you think would be another complexity that would be part of us? We're only going to deal with a couple. I'm going to give you a little hint. One of the other parts of being complex is the desire to be pursued. That's, that's an important thing because every woman, you may not have even realized it, the desire to be pursued is, is something that is just ingrained in us. And I, I don't know why, it just is. And I was thinking, this pastor was um, preaching last week and he was talking about Adam and Eve, and I was thinking, you know, okay, here's a great example. Adam was out playing with the dog, running with the ample, uh, antelopes, all those things, and somebody was pursuing Eve. Who was it? The serpent, that's right. And you know, that desire to be pursued worked against her. Men, just understand, there's, uh, l- women like the desire to be pursued. And if you'll just let that thought roll around, it'll make sense when, when you think about all the things that she says that she'd like for you to do, or maybe she doesn't say, she just assumes you know. Sometimes it comes from that desire to be pursued. Well, let's look at some other women that were pursued. And it's really cool because it just so happens to be in the life and the family of Jesus. We're going to look at Matthew 1, 1 through 6. If you want to look it up in your, in your Bible, you can. But I'm going to read it for you right here. 
the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. That's important to remember. Perez was the father of Hezron and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amnadab, Amnadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz by, Ruth, by Rahab, sorry. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah since she was a woman, and, and show her... Uh, Anyway, we'll stop there. It was a wife of Uriah. So anyway, we looked at several women right there that, um, that were mentioned. And then there's one more woman in the life of Jesus. And that's in verse 16. And it was married. Jacob was the father of Joseph. Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So let's look at those, those women. They were all pursued by somebody, weren't they? And so um, when you think about um, flipping back up, we think about those women that were pursued. Tamar was pursued by her father-in-law, Judah. And if you want the backstory, you can go read it. It's, it's really interesting how they were pursued. Rahab was pursued by the spies. And then uh, Ruth was pursued by um, uh, Joab. And then, um, and then Bathsheba was pursued by King David. And uh, Mary was pursued by the Holy Spirit. So all these women... All these women in the life of Jesus, there's plenty of women in the Bible and other times, um, but we're going to concentrate here. If Jesus could say one thing, he'd say, strong women run in my family. You know, and God had a great story, and he put it in his word for a purpose. And even though we have all those women to look at, we're going to hone in on one woman in particular. And that, that particular woman was Rahab. Rahab was pursued but Rahab was a prostitute, and that's all going to work together. And you're going to think, where is she going with this? Because uh, men just say, give it to me straight. I need it. And women are going, oh, I can't wait to hear how this all unfolds. And, you know, this is awesome. You know, there's going to be this big whole, you know, love story complexity and all this stuff. And men are going, oh, gosh, shoot me in the head right now. But just hang on. I promise there's going to be some stuff for you guys too. So this story is found in Joshua chapter 2 through 6. And then rather read it to you because um, I'm not as good with all those names and stuff as Pastor is. So I'm just going to give you the summarization of what happens in Joshua 2 through 6. Okay, so the children of Israel are about ready to take the promised land, okay? And there's something standing in the way, and it's a city called Jericho. Okay, guys, this starts like a James Bond 007 movie, all right? Joshua pulls these two spies and says, I need you to go in secretly and spy out the land. So they go into the land, and they're looking for a place to hide. And they thought, well, the house of a prostitute is a great place to hide because there's men in and out of there all the time. And so they went into the house, the scripture says, of Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. Ladies, how would you like every time your, your name was mentioned, even 2,000 years later, it was Rahab the harlot? Or in today's time, it would be Rahab hashtag the harlot. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, you know, it just, it is what it is. And so anyway, in chapter two, they go, they go and they hide in there. But however, the king found out about it. So the king sent men to Rahab's house and they knocked on the door. And so Rahab took the spies up to the roof and said, I'm going to hide you. He, she said, um, but there's something that I, we need to talk about first. First of all, 
everybody in the city is, is afraid because they've already seen what that your God has done. Your God parted the sea. Your God ki- killed the king. It did all these things. And, and Rahab made a declaration of faith in, in chapter 2, verse 11. And she said, when we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth. A revelation hit, hit Rahab when she was hiding the spies. And it was, your God is God. And she said, I need to make sure when, when whatever goes down that me and my family are safe. And they said, We'll, we'll take care of your family if you don't tell anybody and you hang a scarlet cord out the window. You and your family will be safe. She said, all right. So she goes back down. She tells the king's men. She said, if you catch them, you can still catch them because it's not dark yet. So the king's men took off after them one way. The spies came down. They went down the scarlet cord out the window, and they escaped and went back to Joshua. Chapter 2. Chapter 3. So they go back and tell Joshua the spies did everything. And um, Joshua begins to organize the people by tribe, says we're going we're gonna to go through the Jordan River. And when the, when the priests put their feet in the water, the, the, it's going to stand up in a heap. It's going to be a miracle. They march through on dry land. They get to the other side. Chapter 4. Joshua didn't want the people to forget what had happened. So he said, everybody from the tribe, one person, go get a stone. We're going to build a commemoration to what God did. Because we don't want to forget what God did when he, when he allowed us to walk through yet again on dry land in the Jordan. Now, the reason I'm telling you these chapters is because, you know, in chapter 2 is when uh, Rahab hid this, the spies. And they, and they went back home. And that desire to be pursued was, was burning, a different kind of, she had been pursued in a lot of ways by a lot of men, but this, this was different. It wasn't a desire of lust, it was a desire of life. And so that desire, began, but you know, all these other things were happening. How long did it take? How long did it take for them to organize and, and march through the Jordan? How long did it take for them to drag the stones and build the monument? That wasn't it. In chapter five, there was this mass circumstance circumcision. And all the guys are going, oh, okay, why are we talking about that? And uh, let me tell you why we're talking about that. Because the people, the children of Israel that were wandering around in the wilderness did not take the time to tell the next generation what God had said and what God had said to do and what God's word was. And so um, they could not go into the promised land until they had the mark of the covenant on their physical bodies. In church, I think that's just a caveat there. It is such a declaration to us to make sure we invest in our next gen, to make sure they know what God says and what God's word is. So, my circumcision, you know, and I would say, ladies, even simple dirt gets emotional in a time like that, wouldn't you think? I would think it's emotional, but anyway, we're just going to let that one ride. And uh, so they did that. It took time to heal. And so time is still ticking. Rahab's wondering, okay, are they coming? Are they going to be true to their word? Are they going to be like every other man that has ever walked through these doors and, and made promises that they didn't keep? And so chapter 6 gets here. This is where the intensity begins to build. She sees from afar off the children of Israel, the, you know, all of them beginning to come up. And so what God had already explained to Joshua was going to happen. 
from day one till the, the day that the walls fell. And what had happened was Joshua didn't tell the other people. It was a need-to-know basis. Have you heard that? I watch NCIS. It, it, you know, some people only have clearance, and they only get need-to-know. Well, the children of Israel only got to know the need-to-know facts. And so Joshua would tell them, told them, said, you know, we're going to go in, and, and we're not going to talk. It's gonna, we're going to be silent the rest of the time. And, and you're going to march around, and when I tell you to shout, you're going to shout. Simple, simple dirt says, okay, good. That's all I need to know. You tell me to be silent, I'll be quiet. Complex goes, what do you mean be quiet? How long do we have to be quiet? How long, how long, how far is that march? You know, what shoe should I wear? You know, what, what, you know, is there a certain outfit you want me to wear? And is it going to be hot? You know, and it, guys, I wish, I wish we, I wish we didn't have to deal with that, but it is. That's just who we are. That's why we deal. You guys are good to go. Don't speak. Okay, got it. And we're like, we want to know all the details, and it's just ridiculous. I hate it, but it just is who we are. It's how God created us. I, w- I wish it were different, but, but it's not. So, so they're, um, they're lining up. Day one, Rahab says, yes. Family's ready. They're in there. Day one, trumpet blows. Battle array comes, comes f- front and center. The priests are there, the Ark of the Covenant. Then there's a, a rear guard, and they begin to march. She, her and the family are waiting. They, they walk around the gates of the city, utter silence. She thought, that's a little weird, but okay. They, she marched around the city, and they go back out. And she's going, what the heck? Did I miss something? You know, and looking out the window, didn't happen. Day two, the trumpet blows. Okay, well, maybe something happened. Maybe some, something happened. So day two, walked around the city, silence, walked back out. Day three, day four. And Rahab's probably wondering, you know, they promised that me and my family would be saved. I don't understand what's going on. And you know what's happening is that desire to be pursued is just, is just burning. She, she, she doesn't understand all these emotions that are going on in her head. And, guys, it's just if you, under, if you could only understand that desire and that, that wanting to be pursued, because everything she'd been pursued in the past was bad. And she had this hope that this desire of being pursued was going to be for a rescue. And she so desperately wanted to be rescued. But all these things were going on. And so, so here we get to the day four, day five, day six. Day seven is finally here. And so the, the children of Israel line up as normal. They still don't know what's going on. And they begin to walk around one time. He said, walk around again, second time. Third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, seventh time. And what Joshua says, now shout. And he not only says shout, but in his declaration, he tells the children of Israel, he makes sure, shout for the Lord has given you the city. He said, even in the heat of the moment, Joshua said, but God's will is going to be accomplished, but I want you to save Rahab and her family. Actually, Rahab, the harlot, and her family. It's right there in Scripture. And so, so what did they do? At, when, they sh- when they marched around, they shouted, and the walls fell. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Jericho. It was 825 feet below sea level. And when you go down into this city, the walls were fortified, okay? And when I mean fortified, I mean they were 30 feet high in some places, as historically said, and they were so thick that they had chariot races around the top. So when these walls fell, it was humongous. It was a big deal, okay? And so when the walls fell, it said Rahab's house was saved. 
Now, how, did, how does that happen? Her house was built into the wall. Remember the cord out the window? That's how they escaped. That, to me, if you think about it, and, and that's just how my brain works. I'm thinking, okay, so that section of the wall was, was saved because Rahab's, Rahab's house was solid. And there's a whole lot more. And that's a whole other sermon to preach about Rahab's house being solid. And you know what? Rahab's whole family was saved, and they didn't even, even realize what was going on and what the future held and what it meant to be rescued. And it was just, an, I think, just an amazing, amazing example of, of God's purpose and his plan. And see, um, when you think about um, what it meant for her to be rescued, she was chosen by God to be rescued, and she was chosen by God to be rescued for a purpose, to be part of the lineage of Jesus. You know, that's how God works. God works, when, and he makes things work together. And I, and I kind of thought of a phrase that might help you remember that, and it's simply this. God doesn't pursue for the present. He pursues for the purpose. Now, let me explain that for just a minute. So many times when we're in need of a miracle or that desire is churning, we want it to happen right now. And I'm sure that's what was happening in Rahab's mind. I, I, you know, they said they were coming back, and so she probably expected it tomorrow. Uh, men, is that correct? Is, is, is that what your wife does or, or the lady in your house that, you know, okay, when do you, well, what's happening here? You know, why isn't it happening? You know, and so, but God's perfect plan, when he, when he orchestrates, he doesn't always pursue for the present. He pursues for a purpose. You know, and it's so, so amazing in Scripture how that works. Let's talk about a little bit of purpose that God was, was going to do. The rest of the story is Rahab ends up marrying Salmon, and we saw that in the lineage. Now, historically, they say Salmon was one of the spies. Well, I couldn't find that anywhere in Scripture, so I'm just going to tell you it's kind of a historical thing that was passed down. But um, uh, when Rahab and Salmon got married, they had a son, and his name was Boaz. And if you remember the stories from Vacation Bible School or when you were little, Boaz married Ruth. And just a little, little quick uh, caveat there is Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law. Her first husband had died, and she said, wherever you go, I will go. Your God will be my God, and your people will be my people. Ruth followed her, and um, she began to glean in the fields, and Boaz began to pursue Ruth. And you know what happened? Um, he brought Ruth home to meet his mother, and guess who Ruth's mother-in-law was? Rahab, the harlot, okay. And so Rahab's mother-in-law understood what it meant to be a foreigner outside of the people but brought in to the family, and it was an amazing thing. God doesn't always work for the present, but he works for the purpose. Let's look at um, a couple of New Testament verses. In James 2, 23 and 25, it said, And the scriptures was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Okay, so that's James. Let's look at Hebrews 11.31, another purpose. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies. So God had a, a bigger purpose that went into even the New Testament. God kept bringing back this particular instant, this particular story, because God did not pursue for the present 
He pursued for a purpose. You know, and all that works together, just like God's plan works together. See, see, Rahab had a story. You know, and, you know, as funny as it might be to hashtag the harlot and, and talk about it, but even in New Testament 2,000 years later, they're referring to her as Rahab the harlot. And I, I'm thinking, gosh, this girl can't get a break, you know. But I think God leaves that in there for a reason because Rahab had a story. And her story, she could choose to let it own her and the enemy beat her to death with it, or she could choose to let her story give God glory. And so let me ask you today, is your story, regardless of what it is, whatever the hashtag is by your name, are you going to let it hold you back? Are you going to let it have a purpose? And so um, just think about that. What is, what is the hashtag next to your name? You know, like, you know, in social media, mine's Michelle7317, you know. What if, you know, Rahab had Instagram and Twitter, it would be Rahab the harlot. And, um, you know, and all the posts would be known by that because that's what she was known at. But she used that platform not to be condemned, not to be shamed, but she used that platform to give God glory. Well, look what, look what God could do in somebody's life. Once they, once they give up over their life to Christ, thousands of years later, we're still talking about the faith of Rahab because of what she did when she took the spies in. And she had faith that they would come back and that her family would be saved. And so um, Romans 8.28, a very familiar passage of Scripture. And we know that God causes all things all our stories, to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Again, God doesn't save for the present. He saves and he rescues and he pursues for a purpose. So I, wanna, I just want to bring this all, we're going to kind of wrap this up, hopefully in a, a nice little bone. At the end of Joshua chapter 6, in verse 23, they had destroyed the city, everything in it, all those things, except for Rahab and her family. And it said that Rahab and her family were brought outside, and they stayed outside of the camp. And that was in Joshua 6, 23, because they were unclean. They were ungodly. They were part of another culture. But in verse 25, two verses later, it said, and Rahab lived in the midst of, of the Israelites and lives there to this day. What happened in two verses? Well, there's a little time span, but let me tell you what happened in two verses. She, she got married, and she was married into the family. And so she went from being outside the camp to inside the camp. You know, and God provides us an opportunity like that through his son Jesus. Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. And Jesus died on the cross. It said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We can't get to the Father but by him. So Jesus came that we could be married and we could be inside the camp. Because when we ask Jesus to come in our heart, when we have that relationship with Jesus, we become part of the bride. We become part of the family. And we marry in. And we're no longer outside the camp, but we're inside the camp. So I don't know, but I think all over the room, God's already beginning to work on people's hearts, beginning to churn that, that desire to be pursued, that desire to be rescued. You know, whether you're, you're a man or a woman, you know, it, that's just how the Holy Spirit works. See, he breaks down through the simple and the complex. He goes straight to the heart because he pursues you. Not for the present, but for his purpose. And everybody in here has, Scripture says, has, he has a purpose and a plan for your life.
And so today, the purpose and the plan might be that you give your heart and life to Christ, to come on the inside of the camp. So what I want to do is ask everywhere, every campus, every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed, and, and church family, whatever your camp is with, I want you to repeat this prayer with us to, to um, just to coincide with the people who are praying this for the first time. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for extending an invitation for me to be part of the family, to be part of the bride, to come from outside of the camp to inside of the camp. I recognize that I'm ungodly and I'm in need of a savior. And I accept that invitation. And I am so thankful that you pursued me and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in just a minute, in just a minute, we're going to have campus pastors come down here and people to pray over you. But right now, I want to just talk to people that, that already have that relationship with Christ and all over the room. And let's just deal a little bit with the hashtag in your life. You know, are you allowing that hashtag to absolutely keep you immobilized, whether it's shame, guilt, pride, whatever it might be. It doesn't always have to be, you know, some big sin. You might feel pretty good about who you are and what you've accomplished. What is the hashtag in your life that is, is keeping you from God's purpose? You know, is, it give, is your story giving God glory? So what I want you to do we're going to make a declaration of faith. And um, so everybody grab your Bible. It might be your phone. might be your iPad. You might have a physical copy of the, the Word of God. And if not, just, just declare, this, declare this in faith. And I want you just to repeat after me, okay? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. And I can do what it says I can do. And I'm just going to speak the word of God over you because pastor spoke the word of God over this church that we would have a hundredfold harvest. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says this. It says, the Lord will open up for you his good storehouse in the heavens to rain upon you and in its season. And everything your hand touches will prosper. And you will be, you will be the lender, not the borrower. You will be the head. You will not be the tail. You will be on top. You won't be beneath. And God said, all these things is who you are. That's who your hashtag is. You're an overcomer. You are a child of God that's blood brought. You're a child of the king. And I, come on, somebody. Are you not excited about what God has done for you? Do you not recognize who you are in Christ? That's your hashtag. So today, whatever, my, whatever your hashtag is, I'm an overcomer. You know, I, I am set free. You know, I am Whatever God has showed you today, this is who you are. This is who you are in Christ. And what I want you to do is embrace that and think about that, you know, and what God's doing. Rahab's faith was that the spies told her they were coming back. And she, that desire to be pursued, she was there. But let me tell you, church, Jesus said he's coming back. He's coming back. And I hope that you'll let that desire just burn in your heart because Jesus said, I'm coming back. But the question is, is your family together and ready? What if all that time in chapters 3, 4, and 5 when all the other stuff was happening, Rahab told the family, they're not coming. And the family left. 
Or what if after the time they marched around the walls, two, three, and four, and they were just silent and they didn't do anything? What if Rahab said, we're not going to do anything. You might as well go. What if she hadn't kept her family with her? They wouldn't have been saved, would they? Let me tell you, Jesus is coming back. Is your family in the house? Is your family in the house where they can be rescued and where they can be saved? Next week, we start our Heart for the Harvest series. And it's all on the series of, of the Red Sea. And that's the greatest, greatest miracle in history because we, we enter into a time of harvest where we're asking God for big miracles. And the first weekend is next weekend, which is on relationships. And um, we're going to pray for people that don't know Jesus. We're going to pray for prodigals to come home. We're going to pray for marriages to be restored. We're praying for the miraculous, okay? If Rahab was, gonna, was asked, what is your Red Sea moment? Her Red Sea moment would be that she was, she was rescued and her family was rescued. And that's what, what maybe some of your Red Sea moment might be. So we're going to have a couple things. And again, I'm a big social media person because I believe get the story out. Tell people what God's doing. I'm, I'm taking notes of Pastor Bing, putting it, on, putting it out there because I want people to see. Because I have a lot of people that follow me that aren't believers. And I want to speak life over them. I want them to know. So we have Heart for the Harvest and Red Sea Moment. So we're going to be asking you, what is your Red Sea Moment? Is it your family that needs to be saved? Um, is, it, is it healing that needs to be taken place? Is it, is it financial issues or jobs or whatever it might be? What is your Red Sea moment? We want you to think about that. And we want you to be praying and be ready because we have a 21-day fast coming and we have devotions. Let's, as a church, rally together. Rally together and, and believe God for big things. Are you ready for that? You ready for what God wants to do? Awesome. Well, I hope it's been as good for you to be in the house of the Lord as it has for me. And we want you to have a great week. Bring somebody back next weekend and make your heart ready. Have a good week.